And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. All right, we're back for hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. Hope everybody's doing well. Big day today. We're brought to you by PTs. You see the Golden Knights are out there, and the Golden Knights are playing really well. Wow, we had a couple of Golden Knights on the show yesterday. We had the owner, Bill Foley, which was fantastic to talk to him. And then we had on Alex Tuck, which we were thrilled to talk to him too. So yesterday was a big day for us. Uh, They are a proud sponsor, PTs, of the Golden Knights. So if you can't go to a game, and I know the building's starting to open up, head on out to PT's, best happy hour in town, and a great place to go out and watch some of these games. We're brought to you by PT's with 60-plus taverns. There's always a location near you. Paul Gutierrez will join us in a few minutes from ESPN as Mike Mayock. We had him, uh, his press conference on for the first 30 minutes of the show, and I think he covered a lot. And fans need to be on top of those press conferences. That's what a flagship station does. I've worked for the flagship of the Raiders, multiple flagships in the Bay Area, where I was either there or I commuted there, and I worked for the Raiders on their flagship stations. Their former flagship stations didn't give a crap about the Raiders other than an old station named the Ticket 1050 when they launched. The other ones didn't care. They didn't care at all. They didn't want us talking about the Raiders. They wanted us to talk about the Giants or the Warriors and not the Raiders. That was their choice. Now the Raiders have their own flagship station where as it's building, and it's building, and it's going to get better and better over the years, When the coach speaks or the GM speaks, it's important on that mobile app, which you get on the Raiders mobile app, or if you're listening on 920 in Vegas or anywhere else, that you initially react and you get your voice out. Because the fans here of the Raider Nation are different than fans of other teams. You are. You're a very different fan base. You have an edge to you. You're angry at times. You're joyous at times. Uh, The imbalance of a Raider fan is something that I relish. I love the Raider Nation. I love these fans. They put me on the map of my entire career. All I can do in return is, A, thank you, buy you beers, hang out with you at tailgate parties, and put you on the radio. That's all I can do. And some Raider fans have been to my wedding, some of my great friends, some I hang out with all the time, and you hear them on the show. So the goal is now, because there's a little slumber going on in the Raider Nation. Not a lot of news now. Been doing this 22 years with the team. Sometimes the news pops, it pops big, and then it pops huge with gasoline and kerosene thrown on the fire. And then there are other times during COVID, first time the Raider Nation ever had a dealt with COVID, that there isn't a lot of Raider news other than gossip. I don't get into the gossip on that. I've been accused of doing a lot of things in my life, but I've given everything I can to the Raiders when it comes to the media. I don't stir gossip. I don't talk about players getting traded if I don't have a source. I don't talk about who could come in here. I don't want to embarrass the quarterback. I don't want to embarrass the coach or the GM. But when they speak, I react and I give you my analysis and my opinion on all this. And I tell you what I think. But I'm not a fan in the upper deck, and I'm, I'm apologizing for nothing. Okay, I'm not a fan that's going to sit here and say the coach sucks when the coach is my friend or the GM sucks because he hasn't, you know, the third round pick wasn't great last year. I got to work with these gentlemen and women on a daily basis. So I run it a little bit classier and a little bit different than gossip radio. 
And we don't have much of that here on the new flagship because they're trying to do it right. So for Raider fans, the only chance we have to be critical and be honest is a host like me that will put you on the radio to let you sound off like you got a pair. And you just heard Mike Mayock. And either you believe in what he's doing and you're confident with him or you got a criticism and you can let us know. Paul Gutierrez joins us, the great Raider insider, NFL insider from ESPN. All right, Paul, good to talk to you. It's been a little bit here. And what was your big takeaway from Mike Mayock in the press conference about an hour ago? Yeah, J.D., thanks for having me. I'll tell you what, there were two big things that came out of there. Uh, Number one, as big as the ringing endorsement that he gave to Derek Carr, he gave just as much a a warning shot to Trent Brown to to get his act together, get in shape and be motivated and, and come out and be the best right tackle in football and protect Derek Carr. So there's either a lot of smoke screens going on or a lot of warning shots and and endorsements. So, again, just without reading between the lines, it it was real interesting that, uh, you know, the the takeaway quote there was um, that Mike Mayock said that he thinks that he and John Gruden would both stand shoulder to shoulder and pound the table for Derek Carr. But, hey, Trent Brown, you better get your act in, in, uh, in gear. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, what can you do? Trent Brown is in a unique situation. Other teams would want him because of his size and his gifted ability, but the Raiders had a better look at him. And I've always said this, Paul, we go back a long way. When you have a baseball player or a basketball player in your building, you see their work ethic. You see if they show up on time, how they work out, how they react to everybody in there. The Raiders know Trent Brown right now better than everybody, so the Raiders are going to have a good feel on this, and he's a very expensive player going forward, but it's tough to fill that need if he leaves. I think it's a complicated scenario. Well, especially if the reports are true that Gabe Jackson's been informed of his release, which is something that, that Mayock would neither confirm nor deny. Mm. But if he's gone, then they, they definitely got to go out there and they got to bring Denzel Good back, you would think. And then that would seemingly make it okay for to, to bring Trent back uh, as long as he's motivated and willing to do the dirty work that he did to get that contract in the first place. So, you know, it, this is speculation season. This is when they kick the tires on a lot of different things. But when you do read between the lines, there's a lot of things that, that Mike said as well. You know, when, and again, he, he wasn't asked specifically about Derek Carr and these trade rumors regarding Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. But he said, I'm going to tell you guys the same thing that I've said all along. We are going to evaluate the entire roster no matter what. And, you know, John Gruden fashions himself and probably is a quarterback whisperer anyway. So remember all everybody got all up in arms last year or the year before when he was talking to, to Jalen Hurts. That's what he's supposed to do. So if the Raiders feel, and I'm not saying this is the case, but if they feel they can improve and upgrade the roster, and it includes moving on from Derek Carr, without decimating the rest of the roster, that's something they have to consider. Not saying that's what they're going to do, but if you take him at his face value, that's exactly what they're doing. They're kicking tires. They're looking at their own roster. They like what they have in the building, and you just kind of go from there and see how it plays off. Now, in this COVID time, when you can't have guys face-to-face, that makes it a little uh, – it makes them, as, as he said, you got to be a lot more nimble, not only in the draft but in free agency as well. Paul Gutierrez joins us. So staying with Derek Carr, you know, I think the T-shirt should say Carr's not the problem. He hasn't been the problem. He's a top-10 quarterback, but can he get to top five? And I don't think he right. can unless he runs more. And I've talked about that with Derek on the air. Unless he runs more, which I believe he can, he can't run at the level of Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but if he can improve with that at his age, because age isn't an issue here with Carr. He's in tremendous shape. He gets in better shape. He's bigger and stronger from the eyesight I see every year but will he run more and the big difference ball from last year is there was no chatter about Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson last year there were other quarterbacks it was the dream of Tom Brady 
or whoever else. Now you have two really top four or five quarterbacks who are available, and they probably both really want out from their teams. Yeah, and that's what makes it more intriguing. Is Again, it goes back to can they improve the position without decimating the rest of the roster? Otherwise, it just it's, it's negligible at that point, right? right. Uh, with Derek, I'm with you on that. I mean, he is not the problem. But I also wonder if the Raiders wonder, well, is he the answer? And if you have to ask that question, well, then you do have a problem. And I know I'm kind of speaking in circles here around it. But you're right. I mean, Derek's not even 30 yet. He's going to turn 30 uh, at the end of the month. And, and to try to put it into uh, a sense of what Las Vegas sports fans can wrap their minds around, Derek was born right before UNLV lost to Duke in the Final Four. That's how long ago it was, and yet that's how recent ago it was, you know, when you, when you look at it from that standpoint. So he's a young guy. He's in his prime, so to speak. But you look at these young guns coming up in the AFC West, is he the second-best quarterback in the division? Is he not the third with what's going on with the Chargers? You know, you just you have to wonder, how do you keep improving without staying stagnant? Because as people would say, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Uh, you don't want to be stagnant in there either. But, you know, the guy owns every single Raider franchise passing record you could imagine. But then you look, well, what has he done win-loss-wise? Again, not all his problem, not his fault. He's not the problem. But you wonder, is he the answer? And you'd like to see him play with a with the stingy defense across, uh, you know, helping him out as well too. Paul Gutierrez, we value his time, the great Raider insider from ESPN. Before we get to the defense, Aguilar is really intriguing to me because I think the last thing you want to do with Derek is take away one of his chemistry weapons. That was what was so great about Gannon when we covered Gannon. Gannon had great chemistry with the guys. Even though he didn't throw over the top, he was comfortable in a system, and then everybody benefited from that because Gannon found the open guys he was comfortable with. I'd hate to see Aguilar leave in free agency, not that Derek can't get a better receiver or they can bring someone else in and I'm a big fan of rugs and obviously other receivers like Renfro getting more touches but I like what I saw from them too what do you think is going to happen yeah I, I think they, they're going to make a good effort a good faith effort to bring Nelson Aguilar back if for nothing else just to keep some continuity in a season that had anything but right I mean the guy came in on a one-year prove-it deal and you look at the numbers you're like wait a minute he didn't even have a thousand yard receiving season but you look at the at how efficient he was I mean so many of his first so many catches were for touchdowns he had a huge uh, yards after the catch uh, average um and, and and you know he did have the, the case of the drops that, that got him run out of philadelphia but but he didn't kill the raiders so to speak so that's something there when you compare him to like what rich gannon had well that, that's kind of not fair because rich had a pair of hall of famers that he was throwing to and jerry rice and tim right but nelson aguilar did become a security blanket there's a trust there and, again, if we look at what Derek has done, he's had some quality receivers. And for whatever reason, the trust has run out, whether it was at the Mari Cooper or Michael Crabtree, this is the latest guy. And you just hope that for his sake and for the Raiders' sake, it doesn't turn into like an Alvin Harper situation. I know I'm dating myself with the mid-'90s yeah. Cowboys-Buccaneers thing here. But, you know, Alvin Harper left the Cowboys, left a great situation, got paid, and you never really heard from him again. Aguilar, I think, it has a has a – the potential to be in a really good situation here as a as a one one a type receiver for for a quarterback that has all the trust in the world in him already. Paul Gutierrez, as we wrap it up. So one of the topics this week that nationally on my Sirius XM show and this show, I think I swung and missed on. I thought everybody would love this topic was recruiting J.J. Watt. And no one seems to get what I'm saying. Frank Caliendo and Blake Shelton were involved in the recruitment of J.J. Watt. We have Vegas. So, look, if they looked at J.J. Watt and said, forget it. We don't have cap room. We don't think he's valuable. 
No problem. No need to bring up the Maverick helicopter, fly over the strip, take a look at the Grand Canyon with J.J. Watt and his wife. But, Paul, this has got to be a big part of it. Mayock talked about it, the stadium, recruiting, taking people out to dinner. Am I missing something here? I know it's COVID, but these free agents got to be coming in and out of Vegas, meeting with Gruden, the scoreboard, what they do in New York and other big markets. It's a big part about the move from Oakland to Vegas is to recruit free agents. Yeah, and, and you, you touched on it, JT. It, it's COVID. They they cannot meet with guys that are still yeah. technically under contract. I mean, if there's guys that get cut and they're ready to go, like J.J. Watt, sure. And if the Raiders had an interest, they could have wined him and dined him and brought him in and, and showed him whatever they needed to and or wanted to. But but you're right. It, it's it's still this hurry-up-and-wait mentality that, that uh, encompasses you know not only the city of Las Vegas, but the, 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 Clark, the Clark County and, and the state of Nevada as a whole because of – certain limitations and shutdowns and things like that. So I think once things, you know, we start getting the virus again, as John Gruden always said, he wants to crush the virus. Once things start opening up, I think that's when those types of things are going to start paying off. Because once again, they start getting fans in, then you got that liquid cash. Then you have the cash money. You don't have to worry about the cap, so to speak, to get and pay for these guys to come in. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, no state income tax. Come on in. So there's a lot of things to sell. You know, I'm a UNLV alum. Um, and and saw you know what what Rebel basketball was like back in the day with quote unquote recruiting. <laughs> so with the yeah. NFL, when everything is above the board, you think that that's going to be a huge part of it too. And and you know that again, everybody from the, the ball boys to Gruden to Mayock to, to Mark Davis himself are just waiting and chomping at the bit to be able to show off this jewel that they really do have at the corner of Al Davis uh, uh, Drive and Dean Martin Way. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN, uh, finally on the defense. I wasn't shocked last year. I knew they were going in the rugs direction over Judy and C.D. Lamb. You can live with that. They wanted a Tyreek Hill-type player. He's got to explode. Those numbers have to increase. I'm a big Renfro guy. I think the offense is fine. Waller proved that. Josh Jacobs, they got to slam the door and go big on defense. And I'm, I'm just believing, I'm sensing that those picks that are so important, and they were important to Mike Mayock when he initially came here, I wouldn't mind a second or third rounder or a fourth rounder or a first next year to be moved up for a defensive blockbuster deal. Do you sense that they're going to get a free agent like Yannick Ngakwe or an edge rusher, or they're going to make a big defensive trade for someone who could step in and start at free safety or a corner that's going to tighten up that Gus Bradley defense? Well, that's what they need. They need they need that guy that, that can come in there and be that uh, you know that that edge rusher that can dominate and take over a game and, and and not disappear and be a consistent presence. But again, 31 other teams would love that as well. Uh, you look at the secondary. Okay, so now you're going to get uh, coverage sacks. Uh, you know, and we saw the the flirtation that went on between John and, and Richard Sherman. I think that would be a great pickup. I don't know what the price though. For him to come in and be, you know, convert more to a free safety and and teach those young guys in the secondary how to be a pro. I don't mean that in a negative sense, but literally how to be a professional. Take care of your body. Don't go for the kill shot every single time. Be available. Uh, somebody like that, I think, would be a good thing. Um, you know, if it's an Ngakwe, well, then that's the splash you're talking about right then and there. But but again, how do they make this happen? How do they all fit into Gus Bradley's? Uh, you know, again, is he trying to re- rebuild the Legion of Boom? I don't know, but if he does, that's where Richard Sherman could come in and play a big part there, but at the right price. Absolutely. We look forward to talking to you after free agency, heading into the draft. Enjoy. There is no off season for Paul Gutierrez, right? There's no off season. You're always grinding. 
always trying and working with Lincoln Kennedy on his book that's coming out this uh, summer. If these walls could talk, stories from the Raiders. Uh, whoa, room, whoa, sidelines. So there you go. Breaking some whoa, news. Whoa, what a we tease that is! You... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is that's great. a hell of a tease, man. I'm the first in line <laughs> at that book signing. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. Thanks, JT. All right, Lincoln Kennedy. With the tell-all book, I've been uh, I've been offered an opportunity to write after my book, The Handoff, did well with a Raider Hall of Famer. But uh, I've stayed away from that because if the walls can talk with the silver and black, how much would we want to know? Back to the Snakes book. Have you read Ken Stabler's book? Oh, my God. Oh, so good. Lincoln Kennedy, what a businessman. My friend Lincoln is. I take a shred, a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of credit with him on his radio career which has exploded now an author a businessman a restaurateur his cigar business everything that lincoln does and what a job he does on that broadcast i mean you all remember when lincoln was down on the field when it was the former broadcast team and lincoln was down on the field with that analysis and got promoted to be with Brent Musburger. Lincoln's one of the best in the business. He sees things in a broadcast that most football broadcasters do not see. Very Romo-esque. Lincoln, I sit behind him in the booth with Brent Musburger, and when something happens, Lincoln's talking about it two plays before, and a lot of it gets on the air. So I'm intrigued by that book, and Paul had a tweet out, which was great, with uh, Jim Otto. All right, when we come back to Queen of the Raider Nation, Steph McKenzie... Uh, who I think is the best, one of the best broadcasters I know. She's on a remote. What's a remote? I don't remember the last time I did a radio remote. I'm just sitting in my house. I just walked up to my son. I go, how was school today? Bishop Gorman Sr. Oh, I was up in my room doing it. What? What's going on? Get these kids back to school. And he can go to school. And he says, I got this, Dad. I got this. I got it. He does. His grades are good. He's got it, I guess. Carr takes a snap, looks in that direction, fires to Renfro. Renfro's got it in the end zone. Renfro with a touchdown that puts the Raiders ahead here in the fourth quarter. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro and turn up the music. When I think of Def Leppard, I think of rock and roll. And I think of Steph McKenzie from 97.1. The Point, who's on a radio remote. Hello, Steph. What is up, JT, Mr. Gallivanting around the world? I swear, I never get to see you anymore. Well, I am in town. We're going to connect this weekend. But first, let me hear about your radio remote. I forgot (laughs) what those were like. I built my career on radio remotes, late night, and all these bars. And what's it like to be out in the real world doing radio again? You know, it's really fun to see people. We're at Subaru, Finley Subaru of Las Vegas, which... In Las Vegas is off the 215 and Rainbow, for those that are here or ever come to visit. And uh, it's good because people got their tax refunds back. They want to get new cars. They got great deals. We got food. And the coolest part, JT, is we are giving away the one and only William Carlson signed autographed jersey so you can register for that. So it's fun. Awesome. And when you're out there and you're talking to listeners and you're seeing people out there, it kind of feels like, you know, this whole March thing for me, is the one-year anniversary. It's the one-year right. anniversary, and it's a bad one, of COVID taking over Vegas and 
bringing sports to his knees. But are you feeling more optimistic, especially with the Knights having fans in the building the other night? Yeah, and on Fox and McKenzie on, on the Classic Rock Station, you know, we get a lot of that. People are excited. People are excited to get back to things. Of course, a lot of it is getting back to the concerts. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd be so excited, but I have such this itch to get to a concert like yesterday. And the feeling is just, even being here at this remote, people are excited to be out. Yeah, Steph McKenzie's our guest. You know, we talked about concerts, and the last concert I saw was Tool at T-Mobile. Don't judge me. A buddy of mine had tickets. I went. It was really good. You know, I'm a Rush fan. Rush is no – I can no longer go to Rush, but – you know, I was thinking the other day, and we had Bill Foley on yesterday, uh, how he's a leader and how he wants to open up his arena more. And Bill Foley told me yesterday, Steph, exclusively, with the 2,500 or 2,600 they had in, they got a game tonight, and then they're on the road for six. They'll come back. If those numbers start doubling, Bill Foley said sold out. He expects the building to be sold out for the playoffs, and he's really optimistic about that. Well, and I think that the people in Las Vegas and visitors coming are optimistic about that. That's one of the greatest things that we've been excited about, having hockey before we got the Raiders here. People want to come. It's a, it's a getaway. You could do four days in Vegas. And a lot of the listeners that have been calling in, they're like, we want tickets. How do we get tickets? Are they going to open it up? And I'm like, we're trying. That's all we know. 2,600 right now. Yeah, Steph McKenzie joins us as she's out on remote, 97 won the point. And let's jump in and talk about this car situation. You, you all, we, we text about this. I know it bothers you because you're so loyal to the Raiders when there are rumors. And the rumor last year was a little Tom Brady. And who else would be? Would Carr be traded in the offseason? Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is going to take Derek's job. It never happened. Now we're right. hearing Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson actually picked las vegas is one of his destinations what do you think of that well you know how i feel about this you already said it so i am all about car i am also very optimistic after watching the press conference from mr mike because i think that they're behind car of course they're going to say that right now but anyone else that comes in is not going to be that starter in my opinion that's how i feel that's why i feel my heart i feel that Derek is the leader of the raiders He's been with the Raiders, and he knows this organization. You could bring Russell Wilson in, but it wasn't his first choice. Of course everyone's going to throw out the Raiders for the greatest team ever. Who doesn't want to play for the Raiders, JP? Yeah, I agree, and I think Carr's done everything right in handling this. And my wife showed me an Instagram post where he was getting in a Lamborghini with his wife, I think, the oh, other night. So and, you know, he's, he's looking the – yeah, he's looking the part, and he's going to be the Grand Marshal at the NASCAR race, and we have a couple of NASCAR guests coming up here. I'll be out at the track uh, Friday and Saturday, and that's a big event here, Steph, in town. You've been out yes. to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They do a great job. Yeah, I love going out there. We do a lot of remotes out there. We do a lot of live on locations. We hang out with the drivers. You know, we get in the pits. We get into the garage. I, that's another great event, and that also, I think, going back to you asking about how people feel, there's opening coming up. We're getting to some normalcy, whatever that may be. And I knew we weren't going to get J.J. Watt because you would have been part of the recruiting team in the Maverick helicopter <laughs> with your Raider gear on, with your Raider gear on, taking him all over the city on the Maverick helicopter, which you like oh. to do. So when I knew you weren't in the helicopter, I knew we weren't getting J.J. Watt. I know, but listen, here's the one thing. J.T. asked me, you guys, before he's like, why did we not get him or why didn't he come here? 
I think he's a little prima donna, and the Raiders really do not go for that. That is one thing that I really think that the whole organization just does not want. You're either going to be a player and you're going to be a team player or you're not. And I understand, you know, yeah, I'm a great player, I'm this, I'm that, but we had a big discussion this morning about him taking the jersey, number 99, you've talked about this, about Marshall Goldberg's name being retired and his jersey being retired. And Goldberg's family said, yeah, it's an honor and we love it. But I think once you retire a jersey, it's retired. And you didn't start on the Cardinals. I think that's kind of a prima donna move. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point to bring up. I hadn't thought of it that way. Usually when you wear that number, when a like family that. when a family says you can do that, that's different. And look, the Raiders haven't retired numbers. Look at everybody who's worn twenty four and twelve and all these great numbers. Whenever I see twenty five, I just think of Fred Bolitnikoff and no one should yes. wear that number, but the Raiders do it a little bit differently. All right, so you're on a remote. Here's the deal. We're getting together on Saturday with a couple other friends of ours. So Saturday I'm going to the Speedway in the morning to watch a little bit of the testing and a couple of laps early. Then I'm going to a margarita party at 2 o'clock. And then we're going to dinner (laughs) with our significant others there. So get the Uber lined up or use some of your juice in this city and get the limo, man, to come out to Summerlin and make it easy on me, okay? I know. We should just swing by and pick you up. But the question is, will you be sober when you make it to dinner on Saturday? Yes, I will be because I work all week. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to get uh, crazy during the week. So as my wife but you're says, going to a margarita party. I know, and I, my wife says it's a different JT. There's Sunday JT, then there's Monday, Tuesday, then there's yes. Wednesday, Thursday JT, and then as you know, there's a much better and more fun JT on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> hey, I do need a limo guy. Remember we used to have Vinny working in the building. He always had those yes. limo connections. One thing we need in Vegas is we need a a limo guy or gal to take us around because we both say don't drink and drive and we live by that absolutely and you know what i did see it's funny you bring bring this up because we saw a limo the other day remember we used to see them all the time and i saw a white limo going down the 250 and it was like yes everything that we keep seeing all these little signs is just like here we go let's roll it out well, if our Saturday night works out well after that limo plug, I'll have my entire head outside the middle of the limo in the sunroof <laughs> when we're you coming home. You need a big home. SUV limo. You don't need a little limo. Absolutely. Uh, have fun at your remote. Tell everybody where you're at again today. I'm at Subaru of Las Vegas, Finley Subaru of Las Vegas, 215 and Rainbow. We're here till 2 o'clock. And, JT, thank you so much. And uh, you know what? As always, Derek Carr and all my boys, go Raiders. There she is, Steph McKenzie. I think the most talented one of the most talented broadcasters in all of Vegas. She's been doing it a long time. Love her show, Fox and McKenzie. They do a great job on our sister station right in the building where we're not in the building. I'm in my home and doing the show here, and Bobby is back in the studio, and we appreciate that. Thanks to Steph McKenzie. She loves the Raiders. I mean, she's legit. She's diehard Raider Nation. That's why we have her on the show. All right, coming up next, Peter King. How about that? So what a a week we've had. Bobby has been working the board, working the phones, telling these guests, hold on, Chad Slaughter, we're covering Mayock. Can you move back five minutes? Can we do this? Peter King, I can't wait. I talk to Peter once or twice a year on radio, and today is the day. So we'll talk to Peter King. We'll ask him about everything in the NFL, including the silver and black, right here on Raider Nation Radio. The recruiting pitch was strong and heavy, um, but I, at the end of the day, 
I just tell my wife, you know, all signs just kind of kept pointing back down here to Arizona. And, and in my short time here on the ground, I can tell you that uh, I'm absolutely pleased and couldn't be happier with my decision. J.J. Watt went to Arizona for the money. They gave him enormous money. He deserves it. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I understand why the Raiders didn't spend that type of money for him. I get it, but I love recruiting, and we'll get more into this topic going forward. Peter King's going to join us. Call in any moment. Stick around for that. Stoner dude, good to check in from Vamps. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, JT, man. It was great to hear Mike Mayock finally talk, man. I always love when either Gruden or Mayock uh, speaks to the public. And what I got out of that, and it's pretty much what I was thinking all along, is that we're going to go for a defensive tackle and free safety and, and uh, I'm sorry, yeah, free, uh, free safety and, and free agency. Um, I still want to maybe look at maybe Jay Tufele as a possible draft pick. Uh, defensive tackle. And real quick, because I know your, your time is short, and I know you're talking a little rock talk, JT. Uh, Rush, you know, Alex Lifeson and Gay Lee have been doing a lot of uh, interviews lately, and it won't be Rush ever again because we know that, you know, that's just not going to happen because the great Neil Peart's not with us anymore. But I think they're going to make some new music, man. I'm going to be in front, line, front row for that, too, man. Have a great one, JT. Yeah, it'll never be Rush again with Neil passing away, but I'd love to see Getty and Alex get out again, and I'm on their fan pages and watch that, and you can put a great, great drummer behind them and go out. Neil's, Neil's never coming back, but give me another great drummer behind him to play that music and get that back into my life. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. Here he is, Peter King, kind enough to join us from Football Morning in America. Always great to catch up with you again, Peter. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Everything's going great, JT. Thank you. Hope the same with you. You know, quick story, Sunday night. You know, I do Sunday nights on Mad Dog, Sunday to Thursday. That's my shift. I'm off the weekends, and your column dropped. Sunday night, it only took me two commercial breaks to consume it all and then get that content (laughs) on the radio. And, you know, what jumped out at me was the insight on the 17-game schedule because I believe, like most knowledgeable fans, you got to have a preseason. you got to have preseason football so these coaches can get their rosters together. And I love this plan. Tell us what you know you're reporting and why you think this plan will work. Well, I mean, as I wrote, that it's highly likely that uh, the NFL is going to go to a 17-game schedule for its uh, for the 32 teams. Now, it's not certain, but that's what most people around the league presume is happening. They're scheduling. The scheduling department is working on that right now, as it does in the first three months of every year. Um, so, you know, I think the big thing is it's, it's likely if they do go to 17 games to to probably have a three-game preseason schedule for all these teams and with teams that are going to have nine games at home because obviously if you play 17 games, it can't be even. Nine of the teams that play nine at home will only have one preseason game at home. Um, and then they'll be playing two preseason games on the road if there is a three game preseason schedule. But basically, I think what the NFL has thought to do this year, and they'll see how it works in the future, is that all NFC teams uh, will be either home or road this year. And then all AFC teams, obviously, will be the same, whichever they do it. I've heard that um, that it's likely that the AFC will host the games this year and that next year 
the 16 NFC teams will host the 17th game. So, uh, you know, and the theory is there, JT, is that you don't want um, you don't want a uh, a division. You don't want three teams in one division having eight home games, and the fourth team in the division having nine home games. You know, if you can help it. So, those are a few of the things that they're thinking about doing. Peter King is our guest. Peter, is it getting more complicated or less complicated now as we begin March with the pandemic? Because, you know, I'm based in Vegas here with the Raiders, and we lost the draft last year and Cleveland getting it. And what happened when Roger Goodell, it started with March Madness, and before that the conference basketball tournaments started canceling, and then there was a lot of chaos. I thought Roger, Roger Goodell and the NFL handled it well, getting in the schedule and the Super Bowl. What is your sense of what's happening now as we are in the beginning of March and we're getting ready for the draft around the corner? I would say I'd be very surprised if there was any sort of off-season program this year. Now, with President Biden having said this week that uh, he expects all, basically all adult Americans uh, to be uh, vaccinated by Memorial Day, that changes the picture a little bit. If indeed all, let's just say, all NFL players, all rookies, if, if everybody were vaccinated by the end of May and they were on schedule to be vaccinated by the end of May, clearly you would think that they might be able to have, say, three weeks of minicamp practice uh, or OTA-type practices in the month of June before uh, players, coaches, teams go off the grid for five weeks before training camp. But I think the early part of it, JT, I think the NFL still plans to have the draft in Cleveland uh, to some degree. You know, they're, they're not exactly sure yet, and I think they're going to wait, as they did last year, to make – uh, whatever decisions they have to make until the last possible minute. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's still too early to know with finality what everybody is going to do. But as of right now, my guess is that uh, the off season is going to be uh, is going to be interrupted or basically eliminated, just like it, just like it was a year ago. Peter King is our guest. Peter, I don't know if it's the New Yorker in me that grew up with George Steinbrenner and when the Knicks tried to recruit, they used Madison Square Garden, the Mets used Jerry Seinfeld. I'm amazed that more teams (laughs) didn't do a better job recruiting J.J. Watt. I mean, this, this is a topic I've talked about all week. I'm amazed that from the helicopters in the backdrop of Vegas to Lambeau Field to everybody else, there wasn't more of a recruiting pitch quickly to look at J.J. Watt and at least try to recruit him. What did you hear about that, and how interested are you with Arizona on how quickly they closed that deal? Well, I think there's two ways to look at this. I mean, number one is that um, this, in my opinion, was not like uh, a player getting wooed in free agency, let's just say, Okay. Because J.J. Watt only had a few teams that he really was interested in playing for, okay? And so I don't really think it mattered for people rolling out the red carpet to him, maybe as much as it might 
in a normal free agency wooing period. And, and I think the reason in this particular case is J.J. Watt had uh, three things in mind. One, he wanted to go to a place with a quarterback. Two, he wanted to go to a place where he felt in the next two years they had a very good chance to win a Super Bowl. And three, he wanted to go to a place that, uh, that he liked uh, the atmosphere, the environment, uh, the people there. And so basically, and, 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 and understand one thing, JT, he really wanted to play for the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I don't think, I think if he went to Green Bay, it was going to have to be basically for the experience of playing in Green Bay. He wasn't even going to make half the money that I believe he'll make in Arizona um, in, in Green Bay because I think Green Bay looked at him and said, you know, it'd be nice to have him, but we're in cap trouble right now anyway. And we don't really have the luxury of bringing on a player who right now we're not, we're not really sure that we need. Okay? They, they like their front seven in Green Bay. And so, and they have bigger needs elsewhere, and also bigger needs for, with people who to sign. Now, you know, to me, I think the the couple of teams that I really thought at the end that he was, I'm not, I'm not saying that he definitely was going to go there. I thought Buffalo and Cleveland were great options for him in Cleveland because he had Miles Garrett on the other side, uh, and I think he really could have. Uh, done some damage with a pure, really good pass rusher on the other side of the field. And then Buffalo, because I think Buffalo is close, and they're going to have a very good offense. But, you know, at the end, I think that the combination of the fact that J.J. Watt believes in Kyler Murray, and uh, there's no question, that, and I'm very surprised at the amount of money that Arizona offered. Very surprised because, as you know, J.J. Watt has missed a lot of football over the last five years because of injury. He's going to be 32 years old. And so that surprised me some. But, you know, again, and I think a lot of players like, um, you know, like the, the, the opportunity of maybe making a home for at least a little while in the Phoenix area. It's very popular with athletes. And so I think that has something to do with why he did what he did. We're wrapping it up with Peter King. Peter, you go back a long way with Pete Carroll. What do you think Seattle ownership expects from Pete Carroll in regards to the Russell Wilson situation and him staying in Seattle long term? I don't even, you know, the the Seattle ownership, they're like Howard Hughes. I mean, (laughs) you know, and I don't, I mean, that's people of a certain age. Well, no, I mean, they just, they're not present. They're not there. You know, Jody Allen, Paul Allen was a recluse, uh, the late Paul Allen. And now that he has died and the, and the team basically is in the hands of his sister. You know, his sister has talked to Russell Wilson once, Jody Allen. Uh, now the owner of the Seahawks, and that was at a Portland Trailblazers basketball game. She's not present. She's not around. She and 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 I I don't think 
that there's any real feeling. And Russell Wilson has now said it. Uh, you've seen it, uh, you know, sources say and all that, but Russell Wilson thinks that Pete Carroll has nobody to answer to, that he's basically the guy who runs everything and whatever he says goes, including in personnel. And so I think that is one of the big issues going forward that Russell Wilson, I think, is going to need to have solved if he's going to want to stay in Seattle long term because I just think he looks at the way this franchise is run and says, well, look, Pete Carroll turned 70 this year. And not, you know, nobody is calling Pete Carroll senile. But what, is nobody ever going to ride herd on Pete Carroll? And so, you know, that to me is one of the problematic things here. And, and quite honestly, I don't know how it gets solved. Peter, last one. I'm sure you saw the 30 for 30, Al Davis versus the NFL. Pete Rozelle yeah. was a big deal out here for the organization. Tom Flores goes into the Hall of Fame. Charles Woodson just wanted your big picture on Allegiant Stadium, basically opening up finally. There were no fans last year. Mark Davis, Gruden, Mike Mayock, what this team needs to do on defense. They're an 8-8 eight eight team that could have won 10 games. Arizona was an 8-8 eight eight team that could have won 10 games. A lot of teams could win or lose a game or two here and there. Where do you see the Raiders heading into this offseason as Vegas is here, but none of the fans have seen the team live yet? Yeah, I mean, look, <clears throat> I really like Mike Mayock. Uh, I think that if you're looking for someone, um, a really, really smart personnel guy, and someone who is uh, going to get this right, I think Mayock is in perfect position to do that. My issue with the Raiders right now is that, you know, and it seems incredible to say this. It seems incredible to say that, you know, that as, as good as I think Mayock is, and I've liked his drafts, I love Jonathan Abram, and if he can stay healthy, um, as as much as you know, you've seen a lot of positives. You also saw a team that was 30th in the NFL in scoring defense last year. You know, and that is, I mean, that is intolerable you, you, for 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 a franchise that has had a lot of high draft choices. You've got to get more bang for your buck. You know, even though I like Mike Mayock, I love his personnel acumen. You got to get more bang for your buck uh, out of the defensive players that you're drafting. I mean, I think that's number one. I think number two is, uh, you know, I think every team right now, especially every team in that division, you know, you've got to make sure that you can play the teams in your division and beat the teams in your division. Nobody last year played the Kansas City Chiefs better than the Las Vegas Raiders. And so that, to me, is a real, real positive. But the problem is, you know, in some of the other games, you know, get, getting blown out at home by the Bucks early on when the Bucks were still in trouble, you know, getting absolutely blown out by the Falcons. Um, and, and, you know, and Atlanta, obviously, a, a totally mediocre team. 
um, really struggling in two games with the Chargers, barely winning one. It's you know this is a team that that I think you've got to build, especially in the front seven. You got to build a better defense, uh, and you've just got to make sure that you know, you play better and more consistently in your division, and you don't have those you know, those games that you just can't afford to have. You know, that Atlanta game, I remember, I watched a lot of that, and I said, the, 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 the Las Vegas Raiders look like the Toledo Mudhens. They're terrible. And, and so those are the kind of things that this offseason has to be about. It's got to be about shoring up the holes that games like that illustrate that this franchise still has. Thank you, Peter. I always appreciate your content going back along, <clears throat> excuse me, a long way with you. Thanks for the time. All the best and continue to do what you do. I love your content and what you do. I always have your back on every issue, even outside of football. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much, JT. Have a great week. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate that. That was worth the wait to get Peter King into the show today on a memorable show, memorable week for us. Had a lot of big guests, a lot of good guests, a lot of good content, and we appreciate everybody staying with us here. As Mike Mayock spoke today, and we were able to carry that press conference live for 30 minutes here at the flagship station, and there'll be more on that tomorrow after we cut up the Mike Mayock sound and are able to play it in chunks and talk about specific issues with the silver and black going forward. Interesting what Peter King said about Mike Mayock. And everybody supports Mike Mayock in the media. How could you not? He's a great guy. He's got unbelievable decades relationships in the media and in football as a former player. And he's trying to make this team better. And you're going to hit and miss on certain players. And now it's go time. The players that he drafted last year have to be better. And they are under scrutiny right now. And Gus Bradley is going to have a lot of control with the future of those young players, at least in Las Vegas. And then with all of the draft equity and the ability to trade on the defensive side of the ball, as we continue, I have this depth chart in front of me on my desk in my home studio here, and I look at it every day, and there's only room for a couple of new players on defense. As much as you don't like the defense, they're not getting rid of Cleland Farrell. They're not getting rid of Arnett. They're not getting rid of Jonathan Abram. Trayvon Mullen's going to be there. So I just mentioned five out of 11. And then I continue to look down and see Kwiatkowski and Littleton, and that's seven. So that's seven out of 11. And then you look at the rest of the defense and you go, whoa, well, who else? Hankins, what else? We, you know, we had Irving on the other day. He was unbelievable. Pencil him in. So there's only room for one or two players that could be great coming in in the offseason on the defensive side, and they got to get them. And I could care less how they get them. I could care less if it's a trade or if it's a draft pick. After the Khalil Mack move to not sign Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack I think wanted to be a Raider. He didn't come to camp. Gruden didn't get a chance to get in front of him. The Raiders couldn't afford that. $90 million, $60 million guaranteed. They couldn't on a 5-11 and 11 team. And it's a shame Mack got away because he's the perfect player the Raiders are looking for now. He's an edge rusher. But they got a lot of draft assets for that. And it's my belief that they didn't trade those draft assets because you, the Raider Nation, would have went crazy if they took the MAC picks and they packaged them to get someone else. You would have said, what the hell is that? We got all this equity for MAC. Let's get multiple players. And they did. And Josh Jacobs has worked out well. Not every pick has been great, but they have their star running back, I believe, the franchise running back. 
Now I don't care about the draft picks as much as I did just as someone in my position. If you package the draft picks and you get a player that I know can play, can tackle in space, can knock down balls, guard a tight end, uh, cover people in space, do all the fundamentals that you need, let Mike Mayock and Gruden decide on what they're going to do. But there's got to be someone walking into that brand-new locker room. Got to be someone coming in that locker room that has the attributes of J.J. Watt. Doesn't have to be as great of a player as J.J. Watt, but they have to have the leadership. And you're hearing more and more about Richard Sherman. And Richard Sherman, if he comes in for a really cheap price, a fair price, and can tighten up that secondary and help be a coach on the field, fine with that. He's been a hell of a player. But we don't know what's going to happen, and we're going to try to be right on top of it when it does. Tomorrow we'll have Don Logan, the president of the Aviators, as we're putting together all these interviews with the leaders in the community who are fighting through COVID and trying to get you, the fans, in seats. Golden Knights going up against the Wild again before they go on the road, and so much more to get to. So big show, and I'll be at the track. I'll be at the track for NASCAR Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because I love me some NASCAR. we got a big race in town. Larry McReynolds from NASCAR on Fox will join us tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.